0: Welcome to The Right Side with Ned Ryan, Episode 2. So in this podcast, I really want to go over uh, what I think is an important phenomenon taking place right now in U.S. politics and how parties in this country are shifting and changing and really how to make sense of it. And specifically, I want to address the Democratic Party uh, and how it has failed to come to terms with the 2016 elections and has instead shifted even further to the left. And I really think is on the road to becoming, if it's not careful, the coastal regional party. And I say that, and I've written about this, if you look at electoral map, you look at the east and the west coast, obviously deep blue, and look at a relatively small amount of states uh, inside the coast. And you start to under- understand that just between the coast and a few random pockets, few states uh, in America, it really is coastal Regional party, and I also say that because uh, a significant amount of the Democrat House Caucus comes from four states. Um, you're looking, at, I think, I believe it's 30 percent right now, come from four states: California, New York, Illinois, and Massachusetts. And so the the part, the Democrat Party, uh, in many ways, is shrinking into just certain parts of America. And this is this is something that it has to come to grips with, uh, especially since if you look at the trend since 2010, it's lost over a 1,000 seats at the state and federal level. I believe it's 1,042 or 1,043 state and federal seats. Uh, And then understand that Republicans now control 69 or 70 of the 99 state legislatures. I believe it's at 34 or 35 Republican governors. I believe it's now gotten to 26 trifectas the Republican Party has in which it has the governorship, the state senate, and the state house. Uh, This is something that that Democrats, with all of their being distracted by the Trump-Russia collusion fairy tale and other things, it's like they've missed that moment of self-introspection and going, we have serious issues. And instead of actually trying to address where they're at, they keep drifting further left. And I believe it's because they have been captured uh, by the hard left, not only in the grassroots, but also with donors. Uh, Keep pushing it further and further left and away from the American people. The American people um, really are about common sense and how are you going to address issues that deal with me and make my life better. And so when people come in and start talking about climate change and transgender rights and whatever the newest pet project is of the left, the American people look at them as though really they are detached from reality almost on the level of being insane. Yet the Democrat Party keeps doubling down, and again, it's because it – it just almost because it can't help itself. It has been captured and is being eaten from within by hard-left donors and hard-left grassroots. But not only from the Democrat Party, but I also want to address how the GOP has dealt uh, with the 2016 elections and that shift and what are they doing and how can they respond to what I I believe is uh, a trend that is not short-term but is long-term. So what is up with this two-party system in this country? Uh, 2016, I believe, had major impacts in reshuffling these, these traditional party structures of the Democrat and Republican parties in, the, in this country. So I would argue that neither of the major parties has actually come to grips with the fallout of the 2016 election cycle. They still haven't realized how they've gotten here. And I would argue that there are absolutely elements inside the GOP hoping that Trump will go away because they just don't get it. They don't understand or seemingly don't understand the never-Trumpers and and many within the establishment GOP. Trump is the first manifestation of a movement. He's not uh, an exception. Uh, He is just merely the first manifestation in which people are understanding and realizing this growing movement – you know what? Our system of government isn't working for us. We fund it. We fund it in such a way that we have a massive tax burden, and yet our government and you know our institutions aren't necessarily working on our behalf. Don't have our best interests in mind. And so that you know that's a topic that I hope to flesh out in a in a later podcast. But if somehow they think that they just have to outlast Trump, they've got another thing coming. And I think this is one of my arguments that I make frequently on TV and radio and print interviews. People need to get out a little bit more. They need to get out of the Acela corridor of DC and New York and go talk with real people, and then they'll begin to understand Trump is just, again, the beginning. Um, And and this is not a short term thing. I think it's a much longer term um, shift in American politics. So, you know, again, let's try to make sense of some of this looking at both the Democrat Party and uh, the GOP currently. So, Democrat Party has truly been captured by the progressive left, by the hard left, and it's the same name, same name that it's had for multiple centuries. uh, But the essence has changed, and I would actually argue that the essence began to change, or at least the inklings of it, the 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 beginnings began in the 1970s, in which the communists who had been running as third party realized, you know, we can be out here running as third party and consistently lose, have no traction you know, not make any ground in politics, or we can go inside the Democrat party and start winning primaries and become the Democrat candidates in general elections. And I believe G. uh, William Domhoff, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is really the one that encapsulated the best when he said, a party is what people say it is. And the people who say what it is are those that show up at conventions and win primaries. And so you start to look at how the Democrat party started to shift, even in the 1970s, uh, when the communists kind of had that, that moment of illumination and understanding, well, we can continue to have fruitless campaigns and not win anything. Or we just go inside the Democrat Party and hopefully start to win primaries and show up at conventions and start to shift the party more towards our value system. But you really start to see this process accelerate in the late 90s, early 2000s when the progressive left, the hard left, really woke up to the fact that, you know what, if we do show up and win primaries and show up at conventions – We can change this party. We can really capture a major party in the United States and make it a creature of our own creation. So it's interesting. I think I want people to understand the Democrat Party, same name, will continue to be the same name in my mind decades from now. But the essence of what it is and what it stands for has changed dramatically over the last few decades. So, again, we're at a time where party names are shifting from what they used to mean, to a label not really fitting the packaged content anymore. And this really isn't the first time this has happened in American politics. You can look back at the early 20th century and the rise of the progressive movement, which, by the way, actually began inside the Republican Party. If you look at Robert LaFollette, former governor governor of Wisconsin, and then a U.S. senator, National uh, Progressive Caucus, I believe was the term, actually started inside the Republican Party and then became a movement that spread across both the Democrat and Republican parties. But again, the parties started to change in their essence. And so there's this kind of shifting stream of how parties change, even though they have the same names. And I think we're, again, in one of those, those instances in American politics, same name, different essence. So a radical shift uh, in all of politics, I think, in, in the early 20th century, both Republicans and Democrats, again, as progressives, took a real stronghold in both the major parties. And again, it 's happened before, and we have to realize it can happen again, and it is happening now. so I think you'll see someone I do think you'll see someone far to the left of the American mainstream capture the 2020, uh, 2020 nomination for the Democrat Party. Um, you know i don 't know if it 'll be Bernie Sanders could be, but I think the Democrat Party, despite itself, despite some within it who realize the mistake that it will be will will nominate somebody far to the left of the American people. And that's why I've been saying repeatedly that I think Donald Trump will be reelected, uh, in many ways in an overwhelming fashion, um, maybe upwards of 400 electoral votes. So the, the, the Democrat party is, is really in kind of bad straits, and I think dramatically shifting and going in a wrong direction. Um, you know, I'm all for a two party system, so I'd love to see two healthy parties duke it out on the national level my hope is that sometime in the not-too-distant future, you've got a Republican Party versus the Libertarian Party with the Democrat Party really acting as U.N. observers. That's my hope. We'll see if it actually happens. So at the same time, the Democrat Party is shifting far to the left. They're having a crisis of leadership and message uh, going on that I think it will be important for conservatives to really keep tabs on for the future. So as the Democrat Party is adrift, there, there really is no message. If you look at uh, the starts and the stops in just this year alone – of, you know, a better deal, some of those things that, you know, were run up the flagpole and then died a quick and hasty death within a matter of weeks. There's no real clear message. Uh, There's nothing that's really been consistent for them. Uh, So with no message, they have no unified front except for pursuing uh, this this Trump-Russia collusion fairy tale. But I think some even now are realizing uh, that we cannot uh, pin all of our hopes on that as well. So you've got no real leadership Instead, it's driven by uh, just purely reactive politics to Trump. And that's a strategy that will work to fuel Twitter outrage, but it will ultimately collapse on itself once people realize there's nothing there. There is no there there. It's hollow. There's this derangement syndrome that instead of self-introspection of understanding why they lost in 2016 and why they've really been losing in a real way since 2010, despite Obama winning in 2012... um, They're just – they're not really taking that moment to understand how far left they've drifted of the American people. So in a way, it would be good for conservatives who are interested in finding out how we got here, really understanding what the Democrat Party has done and the mistakes that it's making and then use it to our advantage. And it's also a lesson for conservatives to not do what the Democrats have done but really to look reality in the eye and understand, okay, this this is what's actually taking place instead of being in denial. So, Democratic Party can be described um, very much like Hillary's blame game book tour. You have problems, so point your fingers at anyone else, especially at Trump, but not at yourself. So the fact remains, Democratic Party is broken. And if you look, not only at the electoral losses that it's experienced since 2010, you know the September numbers for the DNC when you figured in debt, I believe it was about 3.3 million that it had cash on hand, the DNC, whereas the Republican Party, I believe, had 44 million. It was a significant cash-on-hand advantage that the RNC had over the DNC in many ways because there is no message, in many ways because Obama, for short-term gain, gutted the Democrat Party and created OFA. So he pulled all the talent, all the money, and damaged uh, – long-term damage uh, damaged the Democrat Party for short-term gain, which as we're seeing is being quickly dismantled by Trump. So again, when you're losing almost well over 1,100 almost 1,100 seats at the state and federal level, there's clearly something wrong. And I've been snarky with them. Russians didn't do that. Uh, this is something that they themselves have to come to grips with. So, as the Democrat Party is becoming quickly the coastal regional party, again it's been del- it's been relegated to the coasts and a few uh, very small handful of, of states uh, in the U.S. The further part of the blame game for Democrats. Uh, over their continued losses from 2010 through 2016 is that it must be the fault of the American people because, of course, Democrats know best. So, you know, everybody else is wrong except for the Democrats. All those people who don't support the Democrats' agenda and instead value things like religious beliefs, care of family, worthwhile job, food on the table, the ability to pay the mortgage, which are, of course, common working class priorities, are, you guessed it, wrong. Because actually, you should be more concerned about climate change and transgender rights. And again, whatever the pet cause of the left is that they are feeding into the Democrat Party, um, those should be your priorities, Uh, American working class, which is also the American middle class. I would argue that one of the real problems is that the proponents of progressive left politics, they've lost the ability to really empathize with people where they're at right now and what their priorities are. They're so lost in a very myopic vision of the the world around them. They can't empathize with the American working class because they consider their issues not to be important because they're not pure enough. They're not righteous enough, whatever you want to say their excuse is for pursuing their pet projects. Um, They really don't care about the American working class. They don't care what troubles them from day to day. They're only concerned with getting their agenda implemented because they're right and you're wrong. So it's amazing that conservatives in this country have allowed Democrats to get away with this smug, self-satisfied attitude like that. But you know what? The Democrats obviously really not have gotten away with it. They Americans still vote at the polls and they vote with their wallets. And again, just to highlight uh, the the fundraising that's taken place this year, I think it's a 13-14-1 one cash on hand advantage that the rnc has over the dnc um it's it really is remarkable in one of the untold or underreported stories uh in which the the democrat party is in serious straits as people donors etc have walked away from it um really going to lead to i think a serious conversation in the upcoming years why does it exist what is its purpose how does it actually recapture enough people and enough donors to be a viable major party moving forward. Which leads me to another point. Uh, I think in many ways we are coming to something of a post-party era in America. I wrote about this five, six years ago that I really felt we were moving towards where I believe people would still register as Republicans or Democrats, although you're seeing a real rise in people uh, registering as independents. With no real allegiance of party for party's sake, really comes down to who who are the leaders that are going to put up issues and promote issues and policy that will benefit me. And quite frankly, I don't think people are terribly concerned about is it a Republican, is it a Democrat, is it an Independent, as long as the policies, if implemented, benefit me. And you look at that because upwards of, I believe, 8 million Obama voters that voted either once or twice for Obama voted for Trump in 2016. And so there's been a transition beyond, beyond the traditional bounds of necessarily Democrat Party or Republican Party or conservative. Uh, people are just looking at who can provide solutions for me. They're looking for candidate, uh, a candidate or candidates that care about them and their issues and their concerns. And that's really what Trump tapped into. He came from outside the the Republican Party system, and I would argue came from outside what I call the center-right conservative movement. He came from outside of everything because he understood in many ways where the American people were at and what would resonate with them, and that's why he was successful. And I would argue whatever party can capture common sense, become the common sense party, is going to be triumphant moving forward. It is a common-sense approach to the American working class, the American middle class, on what they believe are their priorities, and then just addressing those. Whatever party can do that will be the dominant party for decades to come. But part of the problem is common sense uh, is sometimes not a real uh, Republican value, as we're seeing with some of the uh, leadership, uh, Republican leadership on the Hill in the Republican uh, leadership in dealing with health care or with tax reform. I have made the argument to many in D.C., including in the White House, that if Republican leadership will simply go along with Trump's America First agenda, Trump will lead them to decades of dominance. But they can't help themselves, either through inept leadership, through intentional inability. Uh, The Republican Party is really spitting the bit in a, a moment where it could definitively definitively damage the democrat party moving forward and so looking looking around you know again democrat versus republican post-party i've made this argument on tv this is not republicanism versus democratism it's about americanism it's about a love of country driven by common sense common sense opinion of what is best for the american people um so the problems that we have lost sense of, of what is the government's purpose you know, what are, leaders, what are leaders elected to do? Promote the interests of, them, of, of their, their own interests, the interests of special interests, of that of a special, uh, a small class, what I call the ruling class? Or is it really about promoting the common good of the American people by means of legislation and leadership that allow citizens to live their own lives with both freedom and security? And again, we've lost sight of that. I think that's part of the problem with D.C. right now, the swamp, the system, the bureaucratic administrative state, whatever you want to call it, it's lost sight of this and has a wrong priority, uh, wrong priorities. The decision-making matrix in D.C. is completely corrupted as to how decisions should be made, what are the most important decisions should, that should be made, and you know how are these decisions benefiting the American people. In regards to the Republican Party, and I want to close out just by addressing this because I've spent a lot of time on the, on the Democrat Party. But looking at where is the Republican Party headed? Again, I would argue if the Republican leadership on the Hill can understand, it has entered into a different era in American politics. This is not about Republicanism. Uh, this is about Americanism. How can they understand where the American voters are at? It's been very clear based off of polls. They have winning issue with tax reform. Uh, I believe they have a winning issue with health care reform. There are a lot of different things that the Republican Party has to come to grips with, but also to understand the American people are not going to tolerate uh, business as usual, status quo. They're not going to continue on with what I think has been something of a sham uh, in regards to D.C. not really addressing the major issues, I call it exfoliating the elephant of debt, exfoliating the the edges, around the edges of this massive government. They want real change. They want dramatic change. They want something that will dyna- dramatically shift where we're at as a country. So the Republican Party has to come to grips with that and understand if they can tap into Trump's base, because again, they're not all Republicans, There are plenty of Democrats that voted for Trump. Millions. If they can tap into that and kind of shift the essence a little bit of what the Republican Party is, and I would argue tie into some of the economic nationalism that Steve Bannon talks about, I think the Republican Party can rise to dominance for decades. And I'd love to see him put the Democrat Party away, and and if the Libertarian Party can figure out how to actually be a major party and do all the things that are necessary to accomplish that, Let's have an era in American politics where we have the debate between Republicans and Libertarians with the Democrats relocated to, again, basically UN observers. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, uh, episode two of The Right Side. Again, it's a dose of rational conservatism in an increasingly irrational world.